Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Penny Baranowski Schneider. Today I'm joined by Maurice Morwood, an accomplished senior executive and author with more than 40 years of success spanning investment consulting, distributing, consumer, packaged goods, and durable goods. There's a lot going on, so I'll leave it to him to tell you more. So thank you for joining us, Morris. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, pleased to be here. Uh, first of all, uh, Patricia, and, and I hope I can make a contribution. <laughs> awesome. No need to thank me. Happy to hear your story. <laughs> well, I was uh, educated as an engineer, and I spent the first uh, career uh, with Caterpillar. I, I moved from Canada to the U.S., hired on with Caterpillar as an engineer, and um, that's when the Vietnam War was raging, and and so I worked in engineering for about uh, four or five years, and then I decided that. Uh, I was more suited to uh, sales and marketing, customer service. Basically, I wanted to be in front of the customer. I wanted to, to be closer to the to the people who bought our products and used our products, and and uh, I needed to understand that. So I transferred over to sales and marketing, customer service type of work. And uh, fortunately um, for me, I guess, uh, in, in those days, uh, Caterpillar was uh, located all around the world. And they moved me uh, after about uh, ten years in the in the United States. They moved me to Switzerland, and I traveled out of Switzerland as a head head office to Africa and the Middle East. That was my assigned territory, and so I traveled all over Africa and uh, the Middle East. Um, and then from there, after about three years, they moved me to Hong Kong, and I traveled then from out of Hong Kong office. I traveled uh, most of Asia, and. Um, <clears throat> Then after um, 20 years with the company, I decided uh, I would uh, resign and move on to other things. And so I moved back to uh, the States and eventually to Canada, where I'm originally from, and uh, worked in Canada for about 10, 12 years, uh, doing restructuring and turnaround type of assignments for small and medium-sized businesses that were struggling to grow. And, um, and then after that, I got the opportunity to move back uh, into the Caterpillar distribution organization. So I ran, uh, I was given the opportunity to move to the to the Bahamas. I worked in the Bahamas for five years and wow. ran their business out of the Bahamas, uh, which included the Turks and Caicos and the Cayman Islands. And um, when that assignment was done, as pure serendipity, but I was offered another similar, very similar job to uh, run their business, their distribution business in Taiwan. And so we moved to Taiwan. Spent five years in Taiwan and traveled to most of Asia. And then uh, I did finally decide that it was time to quit. And and uh, so we moved back to Canada, became settled in the Windsor area, uh, which is right across this river from Detroit, for those who may not know where Windsor is. And uh, we've been there for the last uh, 10, 12 years. And um, I've done some, I've continued to work, actually, uh, doing consulting work, some mentoring and uh, coaching. Uh, work for other businesses, uh, smaller organizations, 
And I, I, I believe I have to keep busy. I've been busy and uh, I continue to keep busy as long as I'm able. And that, that's where I'm at today. Wow, keeping busy. I mean, you're like a super world traveler. I can't believe it. Is there any place you haven't gone? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I've written a, a couple of books, two or three books, actually. And uh, one of them, the uh, first one was my biography, autobiography. And and um, I, I took it upon myself to one day identify where I've been. And I, and I can uh, clearly show that I've traveled in about 85 different countries around the world not spent much time there, but I've lived in 16 different locations and traveled about 80 to 85 different countries and been there long enough to understand the culture and the practices and the idiosyncrasies about the various cultural differences and that sort of thing. I mean, that's super amazing because in any kind of business, like I always, you know, represent companies from, you know, all around the world, but, you know, really, especially nowadays for the world becoming this huge melting pot of people from everywhere. It's good to know, you know, because just because someone's from here, you don't know where their background is, you don't know what their customs are, you know, so really understanding how they work and why they do what they do. You know, some people, if they don't understand it, there's like this bias, but there's reasons why they do what they do. Same way they might think you're crazy for what you do. But I mean, understanding that, and you've had plenty of experience doing that, so that's awesome. <laughs> well, international work has got to appeal to the individual and appeal to me and my, my family and and uh, so we, we enjoy the international business. It's not without its trauma and its disruptions and all that. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> I never learned another language because uh, the language of business is English. It doesn't matter where you go. I mean, there's probably 200 different languages uh, that I've encountered. And, and, and yet in every sing single case, um, if, if we're going to do business together, we have to speak English, and, and they've learned to speak English because they know that that's the language of business. I went through the same with companies from, you know, um, Germany, from Ireland, from Asia, plenty in Asia. And it was, you know, I wanted to learn another language. I was, like, so excited, but I'm like, I never had the opportunity because you have to constantly communicate. But if they're all speaking to me in English, I'm like, I don't have the opportunity to learn. You know, because even if I learned it, if you don't practice it every day, it, it just comes and goes. So it's, yeah, no, but it is. English true. is the native. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So now tell us, as the president and CEO of M. Marco International Services, Inc., what are some of the challenges and rewards you've experienced in leading a global company? Well, first of all, that's a company that I started after I basically retired or semi-retired. And I decided I would uh, do my consulting work and my advisory work uh, underneath uh, that, that company. And so um, what I do is that I try to attract, and I don't do any major outreach or lead generation work seriously uh, but i get word of mouth and i get some some consulting assignments uh, based upon my background and I've, I've written about what i do and how i do it and and so um that's primarily what i do underneath that that umbrella of that business and uh, it is basically helping small to medium-sized businesses recover and grow uh, particularly those that are struggling to grow, and those that may be stagnant, or those that may uh, want to grow faster than they're growing, and maybe they want to expand their footprint, maybe they want to increase their share of market, whatever it may be. I think my background of 40 years in, in the corporate world around the world is a good uh, foundation on which I can build uh, advice and counsel for other smaller organizations. That's great. Now tell me, your book on Amazon covers a variety of topics, 
Can you share with us some key insights or lessons that readers can gain from your work? Well, my autobiography is primarily about my my uh, my business life. It's not entirely. I do have some personal stories in there about my family experiences and some of my ex extracurricular activities. And um, but mostly, what I focus on is is uh, what I've encountered being a leader, and then try I differentiate between a leader and a manager, and uh, why why one needs to consider whether or not they're a manager or a leader. I think a manager uh, implements uh, goals and objectives, and, and a leader identifies what those goals and objectives should be. And he doesn't do it in a vacuum. He does it incorporating his team because uh, I, I always say that a leader or a, or a manager should be like a coach, realizing that a coach never scores. He's got to have a team of people who score for him, but he's got to set the game plan. He's got to make the plans and objectives and and uh, guide them in order to be, have a winning team. So mo most of my uh, experiences and most of my writings have uh, dwelt on on my personal experiences related to those particular topics and how I've learned to be a better leader and a better manager applying some of those uh, principles. And I've done a lot of reading about so-called uh, successful leaders in the past, and and uh, that, that's where I'm at now. That's amazing. I've actually never heard anybody differentiate the two. Most people just assume it's the same, and that's actually really good that you've uh, narrowed it down. And your explanation is perfect, just like a coach. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's good because coach, people I, don't understand. You know, I think a manager and a leader should think of themselves as a coach, mm -hmm. and I, I would use that term repeatedly with my staff. And pretty soon they start calling me the coach. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it makes total uh, sense. Yeah, I, I think I think it's important. A lot of managers and leaders think that they they uh, they're successful. They make the business successful, and in fact, they don't. They they simply uh, manage the team. They have to hire the right people. They have to train them and coach them and give them the right tools and equipment. And it's just the same with a coach. Uh, a coach. That's what a coach does. But a coach is very important. Of course, they got to make the game plan, and the game plan's got to be a good game plan to point the business in in the right path. Good job. Now, tell me, how do you approach problem solving and decision making in your role as a leader and consultant? Well, I've encountered a lot of problems in, in my career, and I, I kind of arrived at a, at a process there as well because I've encountered so many situations where people try to, well, first of all, they think they know what the problem is and they try to solve it before they really know what the problem is. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I would have my staff, maybe four or five people, go into a room to try to solve a problem. And I, I'd walk in the room maybe after they'd been working for an hour or so. And I'd say, okay, what's the problem? And I'd ask around from the various people. And they'd, I, I'd have five people. I'd have five different definitions of the problem. <laughs> so I'd leave the room and I'd say, okay, when I come back in 30 minutes, I want the, the problem to be written on the blackboard that you all agree with as, as a problem. because. So often people try to solve the problem before they've even identified what it is. And consequently, uh, the solution seldom works. Right. It's funny. It just sounds like psychology, too. Like so many people go in there, or even with a doctor, you go in with one thing, you have a pain, here, you want something totally unrelated. But you're right. And so you actually, you know, diagnose the whole situation and figure out what is the actual problem. You can't fix it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I call it I call it a diagnostic journey. You have to go on a diagnostic journey 
before you start to uh, decide what solution you're going to implement. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, your company offers various services. So can you tell us about one of your most impactful projects and how it made a difference for your clients? Well, one of the most um, challenging and impactful experiences I had was uh, turning around a company. I, I was parachuted in to run a business that uh, was on the verge of bankruptcy, but I didn't know it at the time. And I was not told that at the time. It, weren't, it wasn't until I got in, involved uh, as president or the manager of that business that I discovered that they were financially uh, on the brink and the bank wouldn't support us with, with loans. And so um, it, it really was a, a, a eye-opening experience for me because it, it's a tough job uh, recovering a company that's that's on the brink. We had to identify with my approach, I identified what the problems were, where we're losing money and where we're not. And and if you're hemorrhaging out of a certain part of the business, you have to cut that off. You have to stop the hemorrhage. And that's not easy to do because it, in fact, it, it impacts all the people. But uh, once we uh, did that, uh, stopped the hemorrhaging, and then we were a much smaller business, but we were alive and well and growing. So I uh, continued that, that approach for two or three years, and uh, finally we, we had a, a takeover offer, which is a kind of a testimonial to what we had done. But um, it was very, very traumatic for me because I'd never been through that situation before, and, and I knew I had to succeed, and so I just learned what I had to do uh, based upon my own uh, evaluation of the situation. And, and uh, you know, it's like everything else. If, if if you're bleeding out of your right arm, you better cut off your right arm, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you can't fix it. So uh, it's not easy. It's very, very traumatic because it affects the individual people. And and yet you had to save the company, so you have to make the sacrifices that are required. Yeah. I mean, that's actually pretty awesome, though, because, I mean, most people, if they're not guided the right way, they would just be like, I tried it, it didn't work, and I guess that's it. it. You know, it sucks, but I mean, it's, you know, but it, if someone can say, okay, you don't have to completely, like, dis you know, <laughs> disassemble all of you, we can fix it. You know, it, I guess somewhat of a loss is better than a complete loss. And I guess that's where, you know, from a business perspective, it can't be personal, it's business. You know, it's like, it, well, it's bad yeah, that yeah. some people are, have to go. You know, you, you never know. I mean, they could turn around, do a whole 180 and bring right, everybody. Right. You never know. But, you know, but having somebody guide them and knowing that there's other options is actually pretty unique. Well, there, you know, if, if, if the objective is to save the business, then you have to focus on that objective. You can't mm -hmm. focus on the feelings of the, of, of the empathy. You have to have empathy for the people. But, of course, you can't, you, 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 if, you, if you do that too much and too strongly, then, then of course the business fails, and of course you fail because if if, if that business would have failed, I I would have been blamed for it. You see, mm -hmm. so uh, I I have to uh, succeed and ca carry out the objective, which was to save the business. Mm -hmm. And uh, for fortunately, we, with the help of the team that I had left over, uh, we we were able to be successful. And then of course, once you're successful, you can hire back some of those same people. So yeah, it, it worked. It worked out for me, but. That that's one of the experiences that I remember very clearly because it was a very challenging uh, situation and um, quite traumatic and, and at times and and yet we succeeded so that that's the best part. Yeah, yeah, you learn as you go. You know, everybody thinks you know you have this whatever they taught you in school. It, it was 
The world just throws stuff at you, and that's how you grow. You know, the right. school only gets you so far, and then you, <laughs> you have to take it from there. That's very true. Yeah. So now in your experience, what are some of the most critical skills and qualities that aspiring leaders should cultivate to succeed in today's competitive business landscape? Skills, skills. I guess um, to me, the most critical skill is is not something that I learned as an engineer. It's the opposite. It's it's people skills. People skills to me are are the most critical to be successful in any business in any position, because you're working with people all the time. You you can't you can't think of yourself as a machine or the other people as a machine. You have to deal with people, and everybody's got a different personality. They all have different aspirations. And uh, so people skills, I believe, are, are number one. And I had to learn that in, in, in some respects a hard way because it's nothing that I learned in school. It, it, it's something I had to learn in order to succeed as a manager and, and a supervisor. And, and your first level of supervision requires you to, to demonstrate and be, be quite skilled at, at uh, managing people and dealing with different individual personalities. Right. You know, that's one thing, like, I always try to tell, like, any client, like, um, you know, you have to treat, like, I always tell everybody, it's not about you, it's about them. So I can have, in my head, I have the greatest company in the whole wide world, and everybody should just love me. People <laughs> don't care about you, they want you to care about them. What is it that you can do and you can offer that's what benefits them? Like, yes. I can buy a shirt from any old company, but why should I pick you up? So you have great shirt, okay, so does everybody else, so what's so great? You know, so I always tell people, it's not, I know you think your company is the whole greatest in the world, but it's not about you. So you have to learn your customers. And it's and nowadays, in today's environment, um, you know, that's all changed. You know, everybody now has a bigger voice. Like in the past, you know, it wasn't as noisy as it was today. Now, that's everybody true. has a, a voice on everything. So you constantly have to... Um, you know, read the news, be on social media, like wondering what everybody's doing, where, what are they thinking, what are they feeling, what's everybody else doing, how can I be different, how can I be better? You know, it's it's not just a one, two, three, I have a company, you need it, and that's great, and I, I make it, and, and life goes on. There's a lot more involved in that, and, you know, yeah, so learning the people skills, who your people are, what they need, what they want, how you can serve them, you know, that's, it's pretty important. Yeah, it, it comes back, well, first of all, if if you care about your people, then they'll care about you. And so you win. it's a win-win. And it gets back to my uh, concept of a manager and a, and a leader being a coach because a coach uh, has to have a winning team. If they don't have a winning team and they don't understand that the team uh, causes them to be successful or unsuccessful, then, 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 then they're, they're missing out because they're, they're not scoring. Nobody, no coach ever scores. And you have to realize that as a manager and a leader. And when you do, and you realize that your team is a key, then you're okay. Yeah. That's why some companies nowadays, it's it's funny because they have training for the, the management. And it's, you know, yeah. it, nowadays people are like, oh, you know, I've been doing, but you know what? With times evolving, you need to be trained on how to, you know, things like this. Going back 20 years ago, no one would have talked about something like that, but now they see how valuable that is, you know? So yeah, management sometimes needs to be trained, you know, because who who your your team is yeah you can say okay i just know what i'm doing and i can coach them no you need to learn how to coach them in the right way so that you get out of it what you're putting into it i mentioned uh, a game plan you know the coach yeah. has a game plan well to me a game plan is like the goals and objectives of an organization 
And uh, many times I've been in smaller organizations. The first time I go in, I talk to the manager and I say, can you show me your, 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 uh, your, your marketing plan or your, or your business plan? And, and they say, well, I don't have it written down, but it's all in my head. Well, uh, I, I know that if a business plan is in your head, it's either a dream or a fantasy. And the most critical part is that if it's in your head, the people that are helping you be successful, they don't know what it is. Right. And they don't know how to behave because they don't have goals and objectives that that, that you may have to help you succeed. So I, th- I think it's pretty critical. Yeah, and putting in the paper and actually communicating with people because I know so many people, like what they think is not, or what they think that they're expressing isn't what the other person's hearing. So having it in black and white, saying, okay, let's talk about this. Do you understand this? Because sometimes you talk to somebody like, wow, I got a totally different theory from what you wrote you know so it's important because again like you say you're going to do what i need you to do but if you don't know what it is i need you to do where are we going we're just going in circles <laughs> and, and the people the staff I, I firmly believe need to participate in the preparation of the plan because if they are, if they're involved in the preparation then they will feel committed to to help you succeed and, and most importantly they will know how the work they do contributes to the success so many people that I've, I've seen in businesses they work hard and they're good employees but they don't know how the work they do contributes to the success they don't clearly understand that and when i ask them they, they you know they mumble and they get confused because they've never thought about that before and they've never been told every employee should know how the work they do contributes to the success of the business and in many cases the work they do is not important and you can eliminate the job. Maybe not the person, but you, you don't have to have them doing something that's not contributing to the success of the business. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of business managers don't realize that. They need you. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm trying to uh, promote with my current, uh, let's say, experience and knowledge is, is to help them understand some of the things I'm saying and the importance of it. It's kind of esoteric, but, you know, if they don't really understand the importance of a plan and how it should be prepared and the aspects of, of, a, of a proper plan, uh, they're, they're, they're going to struggle. That's why people have to branch out every now and then, network and talk to other people, you know, because so many people I know, they, they have a fixed mind. This is what they've done all along. This is just how it is, and that's it. Times change, people change. You know, you have to... You know, years ago, maybe that's how it was. The boss gave the orders, you did the work, and that was a case closed. You know, but there's a lot more involved. And like you said, if people aren't feeling, you know, their value, nowadays, you know, I shouldn't even say jobs at a time. It doesn't because they're not. But you know what I mean? They might not stick around. And maybe, you know, I mean, just communication is all it took, you know. Exactly right. You're you're very, very, very correct on that. And in some cases, of course, you've got a square peg in a round hole, and you have to deal with that. You can't ignore it. But um, if you uh, hire the right people, train them properly, uh, give them the right tools to perform, then, then it, it won't happen that often. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us, you also provide coaching services to Calendly. Now, what are the, what, I guess, what are some common challenges or concerns that individuals seek your guidance for, and how do you support them in their personal and professional growth? You know, I, I've done coaching for um, manufacturing businesses, distribution businesses, and believe it or not, uh, it's hard to believe for many people, but I actually did a consulting service for a, a medical spa. 
uh, how does my background fit in <laughs> medical spa? Right. But, you know, believe it or not, um, it's resources. All businesses have some resources, whether they're people, whether they're services, whether they're whatever it is. Well, the medical spa did, they, they did um, laser hair removal, and they did manicures and pedicures, and they did all that stuff. And he, he, he wondered why he couldn't grow, why he couldn't get any bigger. Well, I said, what's your what's your number one product? He said, well, it was a laser hair removal because I got high margins. And uh, he, he said, well, I get 60% margin on a, on a hair removal. But um, I said, how many do, do you do? He said, oh, maybe one or two a week. Well, the point is, I, I said, okay, show me the data. So I looked at the data for the last year's work, and I found out that 80% of his revenue and his profit came from manicures and pedicures. He said, I hate that because it's... <laughs> I just hate it because there's no margin in it. I said, well, but if you do it often enough, there's good margin. <laughs> so so when I came back six months after the assignment, he had doubled the size of his manicures and pedicures, <laughs> and, and he was doing much, much better because, you know, um, you can do hair removal once or twice a week at 60% margin, but it's nothing like doing 15 or 20 manicures or pedicures, and the margin may be only 10 or 20%. So... <laughs> You know, you have to examine the data and find out where your profit really is, where your sales really are. Yeah. And um, so he had to learn to like the business he didn't want to do. <laughs> hey, it's where the money was at. You know, from a girl, I can tell you, anytime you go for a manicure pedicure, you're waiting. I mean, there's just never enough seats. <laughs> so to answer your question, I, I guess I would say that any business, I don't care what industry or market it's in, they have to deal with resources. And those resources may be, manufacturing plant with a lot of people building stuff or maybe services and maybe a distribution business where they, they don't really do much manufacturing but they buy the equipment and they sell the equipment or they buy you know bubble gum and they sell bubble gum the point is they, they still deal with resources those resources may be simply a, a storefront but it, it maybe the people but it deals with customer service and all those things so um, I can, I think I can help any business almost in any industry, in any market, because I deal with resources. And I say, show me the data. Uh, look at the data, and the data tells you where where you should do more and where you should do less. It's like where your core competencies are. What what do you do well? And what can you subcontract to someone else because you don't don't need to do it? So uh, that, that that's how I... Uh, that's how I do my consulting services, and and I, th I think in every case so far, it, it's it's been a contribution. It's made a contribution. Yeah, I mean, it's good when you know, like you know, you would say even with just marketing. Like I said, some people do technology, some people do healthcare, and I always just tell people, say, well, what do you, what is your specialty? I'm like, I market anybody. I always say marketing is marketing. The only thing that changes is the story and who you're telling it to. You know, so if you can understand the big picture, like you, you know, you have the resources. You know, people don't need to panic and say, well, there's not many people that do that. You need somebody who understands what you're doing, which is you. You know, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good that people that you're at least telling them. <laughs> well, for, many or, for many organizations, uh, their, their, their resource are their customers. And, and how they deal with their customers uh, will make them a success or a failure. It's, right. it's, it's not complicated, but it's not understood by many. Yeah. I mean, especially nowadays with, um, you know, AI and everything becoming automated and whatnot. Um, I always yeah. say that where, you know, while it might save them a couple bucks, 
at the end of the day, if I have a problem and I can get somebody on the phone and not have to spend a week of going back and forth for me writing emails that don't get answered, you know, you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons. But it's, again, it depends on the business. It depends on your product or whatever. Um, but yeah, people putting their customers' needs in front of their own sometimes can make or break a business. It's, it's very true. And I, I, don't, I don't like bots. I don't deal with bots very well. But every, every time I've been forced to use a bot, it ultimately leads to a real person that yeah. I have to talk to a real person to get a real answer. And uh, maybe maybe that's what bots are for. But uh, I, I think we have to think about individuals and get get them face to face and voice to them. It's crazy. I mean, so many times I need help with something and I'm actually Googling everything. And I'm like, is yep. there no email, no number, no nothing? And, yep. you know, it just basically will send a generic message and be like, you know, all you get is that automated response that will be in touch. And it's like a week later, you're starting. And I'm like, it, it's just insane. And I always go with the joke, does nobody work anymore? I mean, it's literally it's insane. <laughs> That's true. So now with all that you have going on, how do you maintain a work-life balance while leading a successful company and engaging in various professional endeavors? Well, I'd say when I was working for many years, I didn't really have a good work-life balance. Uh, it wasn't bad, but uh, it wasn't as good as it should have been. Uh, I now regret that I didn't spend enough time with my kids and my family and my wife. But, you know, it's kind of hindsight. It wasn't bad. Well, it might have been bad, depending on who you ask. <laughs> It could have been. It could have been better, uh, and and I really believe that um, I was focused more on my work, which many people are, and um, I suspect I don't know for sure, but I suspect that if I hadn't focused on my business, I may not have been as successful as I as I, I ultimately was, and um, so what I what I tell people now is that there's 24 hours in the day you can work eight or ten hours you can sleep for eight hours you still have six or seven hours to 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 interact with your 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 family your loved ones and, mm. and that's usually enough because they got their other activities and mm. it, it depends on how you spend your time if you waste your time then of course it doesn't matter whether you're at home or you're away mm. you're wasting your time because you're not interacting with the people that you will maintain a, a, a work-life balance. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think work has to be integrated with with life. And you can't really separate the two. Uh, I've I read postings and articles and stories about how you can't bring your homework home. Well, people that don't bring their work home, I, I think uh, their family's missing out on a lot because the family has to be involved in the business that that, uh, that you're doing because if they if they not then they don't understand and they can't appreciate they can't empathize with what you're dealing with and mm -hmm. and so I I say the work life the work and the life are are integral mm -hmm. uh, and I also um, if you read my book you'll find that I was quite active in extracurricular activities and um, you know when I was in Switzerland I did a lot of mountain climbing I did a lot of skiing and when I was in the Bahamas I did a lot of scuba diving that's usually with your family but not always mm -hmm. and um, so, you know, you have to have a, a, a life outside of work, but um, you can have a life outside of work that does not involve your family, and that's not good. Yeah. If you're careful about it, 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 it could work. Yeah, like you say, quality over quantity, you know, just make the best yes. of what you have. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I was kind of the same. I was a single mom of two kids. So, you know, working full time, you know, I was working 16, 18 hour days and just didn't always have the time to do what I needed to do. But on the flip side, I was like, okay, they see, you know, hard work, dedication, and they'll learn that, you know, hard work and dedication pays off and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you, you make the best of what whatever situation you have, but, you know, you make yeah, the yes, time that do. you do have quality over quantity. So I agree. Yes, you do. Yeah. So now, what, I guess for you, what role does continuous learning and personal development play in your life? And how do you stay updated on industry trends and best practices? Well, I've always uh, tried to be, um, read a lot. I try to read a lot. And um, I read books and information that is aimed at en encouraging me to think about ideas. I mean, you can read books that is going to teach you how to do certain things, right? Mm -hmm. And they can be superficial things or they can be more complicated things. But I like to read books, uh, basically biographies and history and philosophy and uh, books like that, that that basically help me think clearly, mm -hmm. at least think and understand more about life. And that's that's most of my writings have been about that as well. And um, so, I don't know if that's an answer to your question, but... Yeah, no, for sure. But I do. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people, you know, it, it, we always talk about that. Like, they might watch, you know, uh, I don't know, crime movie, crime series or, you know, which yeah. is all fine. You have to have your little, you know, yes. whatever works for you, your little release of, you know, whatever works for you. Right. But at the same token, you know, life is going to pass you by. Things are constantly changing. You have to keep your mind. It's, use it or lose it. You know, you have to keep it going. And whatever's going to trigger that creativity in you yes. or, you know, I mean, that's super important. It's what we teach the kids nowadays, you know, reading all these crazy little books. And it's like you want them right. to think, think outside the box. And, you know, what do you think of that? You know, and it, it, it never goes away from us. We're still kids, you know. <laughs> Yes, that, that's true. And I think it's important to um, to teach your, your children to read early and young. And uh, not, not just the superficial stuff that, that they're encountering, but teach them to read some books that uh, build their mind, strengthen their mind, strengthen their thinking and their ability to think about things that, that, that matter about their life and the life of others rather than just how to play baseball or how to play soccer or things like that, you know. Well, nowadays with the whole world, everything is YouTube. And I, I mean, that's, yeah. I always just say their brains are becoming scrambled eggs. They have to that's get out right. of this. <laughs> I, and I agree. I think it's going in the opposite direction to what I'm discussing, but we, we have to fight that, uh, that trend. For sure. You know, people, that's where parents need to look at the future. Look at now, look at the future. It's not about yeah. you, it's about them. <laughs> everything we're preaching for business. Well, it's parents too. Yes. <laughs> So I guess, lastly, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs and business leaders who want to make a positive impact in their respective fields? Well, I'm kind of in line with uh, the other gurus on this subject, but first of all, you got to have an idea and you have to have a passion. If you got an idea and you got a passion, then go for it. Uh, but you have to be prepared to work hard. You, you, you have to be uh, prepared to deal with a lot of disappointments. And so-called uh, so-called so failures. I don't really call them failures. I call them learning experiences. But um, to me, though, those uh, characteristics are pretty critical. 
you have to first of all have a passion. If you don't have a passion about something you want to do, then you're probably not going to do it well. Uh, but if you have a passion, then go for it. If if you don't have a passion, you still want to be an entrepreneur, then search for what you what you want to do. Search search for your passion. Search search for and and include what you're good at. Right. Passion should be about what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're not good at it, learn to be good at it because mm-hmm. that, that's your passion. And um, people skills, I mentioned that earlier, but all entrepreneurs have to have people skills because sooner or later you're going to have to be dependent upon other people. Uh, first of all, you're going to have to be dependent on investors to give you some money to start, mm-hmm. the, start the business. And um, you have to be dependent upon uh, people to help you grow the business. You have to deal with expertise that you, ex, experts that you don't have. So uh, you have to, you, you know, like me, I'm, account, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm not an accountant. So if I'm going to do accounting work, now I've learned a lot about accounting and financial statements, but uh, I'm not an accountant. I don't pretend to be one, but, you know, there are lots of accountants out there looking for work too. So it's pretty easy to find an accountant. Finding good salespeople is, is more of a challenge. But the point is you have to have the people skills to be able to work with those who have the skills that you don't have. Right. And and I think I think that that's the advice that I give to, uh, let's say, a, a budding entrepreneur. Uh, but uh, first of all, find out what you're good at and what you're passionate about. Right. And that and make it into a business. Nice. Now, anything else you want to talk about that you're working on that you want to share? Well, uh, you know, I, I wrote my autobiography, which I told you about. It took me 10 years to write that, and I finished it. Well, when I when I retired, uh, let's say semi-retired in, in 2009, and uh, that basically described my life and my work and my extracurricular activities from, from uh, the previous 40 years up to then, <clears throat> actually closer to 45 years. But uh, since then, I, I've revised that particular book and I've added to it and I now have about four four or five books on Amazon that have stemmed stemmed from they've, they've germinated from that particular experience in my life and uh, none of it's fiction it's all uh, non-fiction <laughs> you can decide whether it's truthful or not but it's my <laughs> my experiences and it's my life and and it's my thoughts and my opinions and and I, I would like those books to be uh, a little wider, read a little, little more than they are. But then again, I only have had them out for about six months, so I should give it a little more time. But I'm trying to promote those books, okay. and um, it includes discussions of all the various topics we we talked about today. And and uh, I don't think I'm going to write any more because that's enough. Mm-hmm. But it's enough. It is enough. <laughs> okay. So people I, I, just okay. Yeah, and I, I don't think I have anything else, uh, Patricia, that I want to make a point of, except that I believe that I've lived a very fortunate life. I'm very satisfied with the life I live. And I think that's a goal of life, is to be satisfied with your life when it's over. Right. Now, a lot of people don't agree with that because they, they think other people should be satisfied with your life. But to me, you know, people's opinions of, of you and me, they, they change by the day. They change by the week. They may love you today. They may not love you next week because you said something they didn't like. 
But if you if you if you set a goal to be satisfied with your own life when, when it's over, then then you will be satisfied, and um, those who love you and care about you will also be satisfied. But the goal is to be satisfied yourself with your own life. Right. And uh, and that that that's what I believe, and that's what I talk about, and and so I strive to be uh, achieve that goal. And I would say, as of right now, I'm satisfied with my life that I've lived. Nice. So if I get run over by a bus tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that's good because I mean, think about it like the world today. How many personal issues and violence and everything is all because of everybody else's opinion? That shouldn't matter yes. at all. It should be about yes. what you think, what what makes you happy, what makes you tick. You know, I mean, if you, I mean, how many girls eating disorders and suicide and all of this because yes. of what somebody else thought of you? They don't that's, matter. That's, you matter. They, they don't matter and. I, I say very, very often that don't don't become a passenger in life. You have to have you have to be in the driver's seat. You have to have your hands on your own wheel, right. guide your own future, and uh, not, not not worry about uh, what other people are thinking, mm -hmm. because what they think today may change by tomorrow. So you, yeah. you have to worry about how you think about yourself, yeah. and and I I think that that that's very key. Key. It's it's uh, take charge of your own life, manage your own destiny, and uh, do do what gives you satisfaction. I think that's what's important. Well said. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess tell people how they can get a hold of you. And I guess your books, they search Amazon under your name. I'll post the link on here too, but yeah. Uh, yes, um, I have an email, which I can give you. It's very simple. It's maurice.marwood at gmail.com. That's the okay. best one to use. It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, don't forget the dot between the Maurice and the Marwood. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple. And um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. But you can also find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me anywhere you type in my name, and I'll come up probably. And um, I have uh, books on Amazon, which also can you can connect with me and I hope you read the, read the books and send me a review. <laughs> Perfect. Everybody reviews. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was Morris Morwood. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. And never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thank you, Patricia. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.